Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Hard Fell. We are five away from 50. Really excited about that. Hope you guys had a great weekend. I know I did, mainly because I got to wake up on Saturday and I had magic happen overnight and it no longer looked like I just had pubic hair that migrated north. I actually had somewhat of a beard on my face. It was a beautiful feeling. I feel like an adult now. <clears throat> they don't ask me for my ID anymore when I go out. It's great. Hope your guys' weekend was just as eventful, just as meaningful, and helped you guys out just as much as mine did. But now, it's Monday, back to the work week, standard work week, and we got to talk about the top story of the weekend. You know, Kyrie Irving goes into the meeting with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and every single player has an end-of-the-season meeting we all heard about Christoph Porzingis saying he wanted out of New York. And it's just now breaking that Kyrie Irving asked the Cleveland Cavaliers to trade him. All I heard over the weekend was, is he tired of LeBron? He wants to be the star player on his own team. Is he just crazy and got a concussion that didn't tell anybody? The world may never know. I sat there and dug a little deeper into it, and I was like, I have two big things that I think about when I think of this story. One is I'm a big believer in stories don't break unless you don't want them to. I live with three other people, and if there was something we needed to keep secret between the four of us, it would stay a secret. If your boss told you, hey, you're going to get a promotion but you can't tell anybody for the next month because if you tell someone, I'm going to give the promotion to somebody else, I bet you you will not tell anyone that you're getting promoted. Stories don't leak unless they want to. And I believe someone in LeBron's camp, especially because the Cavaliers have four, three guys who are Rich Paul's clients, that's LeBron's childhood friend that's an agent now, if someone found out, told Rich Paul, Rich Paul told LeBron, and the story got out that way because it makes no sense to me that a meeting that happened weeks ago is just now becoming news. Secondly, <clears throat> I started off by saying, you know, I heard people saying, oh, he's tired of LeBron. He wants to be the star player on his team. You ever think Kyrie Irving's just realistic? And anyone who's followed me, anyone who's heard my opinion on him knows I don't have the most flattering opinion of Kyrie Irving. I mean, my roommates know I don't have a flattering opinion of Kyrie Irving, and they probably couldn't pick out Kyrie Irving if they saw him walking in the mall. If I were to ask you, who is the favorite to win the NBA championship next season? You would tell me the Golden State Warriors. If I told you, who is the favorite and who should represent the East in the finals? You would tell me the Cavaliers. If I asked you, hey, Say Kyrie Irving snaps his leg in game one and can't play the rest of the year. Is LeBron good enough to get the, to the finals? You would say yes. If I told you LeBron snapped his leg game one and he couldn't play for the rest of the year, is Kyrie Irving good enough to get them to the finals? You would probably say no. You'd say, okay, that's the break Washington needed. That's the break Boston needed. So if you're Kyrie Irving being realistic, you probably have no chance with LeBron. You definitely have no chance without LeBron. So why not take this opportunity and change the narrative of your career? Think about it. If Kyrie Irving stays with the Cavaliers now, 
He probably loses the next two, possibly three NBA finals. So he drops his own personal record to one in five in the finals. He is never known as the best player on any team he's played on. He will always be considered LeBron James' sidekick or little brother, as some reporters asked him, his son. But if he goes to the Timberwolves, don't personally see that one happening, but he goes to the Knicks, he goes to the Spurs, he goes somewhere where he is the star player on that team. Probably wouldn't be the star player on the Spurs because of Kawhi. But he goes somewhere, he's a star player, he's a big-time player, and he puts up his numbers, even if he doesn't go to the finals, in three, four years, when he's still 28, 29 years old, still in the prime athletic of his life, and is still in a pretty, near coming near the end, but still in the prime of his career as a basketball player, he can then team up with another superstar and go after what will be the post-Warriors NBA. Because the Warriors aren't going seven, eight years strong. But they've definitely got the next two or three years. That changes the entire narrative narrative of Kyrie Irving. You take a player now that's going to have two or three years just to collect stats, to be able to keep rising statistical leaderboards, and is going to get to a point where you know he's going to have Hall of Fame statistics. Then he teams up with someone, and if he gets a title or two, well, now he's a player who's won two or three titles. And he has that... LeBron does not have is he will not have the narrative could not beat the Warriors attached to his name. And you're going to say why? Even though he's on the exact same team, there's only one player that has the narrative can't beat the Warriors and that's LeBron James. No one's out here saying Kawhi Leonard can't beat the Warriors. No one's out here saying Carl Anthony Towns can't beat the Warriors. No one's saying Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins can't beat the Warriors. The only person that's attached with can't beat the Warriors is LeBron. He's the best player in the world. He's expected to compete for titles. He's expected to win titles. No one else has the pressure of can't beat the Warriors. Durant sort of put himself in that category, but he did that simply because he went to the Warriors. But three or four years down the road, no one's going to care. That won't be a headline. That will not be the narrative of Kevin Durant's career. Nor will it be the narrative of Kyrie Irving's career. If he goes somewhere else, puts up his 25, 26 points a game, he gets his buckets, he continues to dazzle with highlights the way he has, then teams up with a superstar and wins a title or two at the end of his career. Then he's a Hall of Fame player, he's a winner, and he will probably end up in the Hall of Fame. He stays with Cleveland, he's LeBron's sidekick, he is a constant loser because all they'll do is bring up that he didn't win before LeBron, and even with LeBron, he only got one out of four titles or one out of five titles. He'll go down as a selfish player because he, he, I don't know. He doesn't play defense, and I don't even know if he knows how to pass anymore. He's a point guard who averages four to five assists. The man played 38 I'm not getting into this. I've, I've already ripped Kyrie Irving multiple times on this channel. This is something I complimented him <clears throat> on Friday before this news broke, by the way. So like this, don't think this is. Go check out that video. Don't think this is just me hating on Kyrie Irving. I complimented him. In terms of at 28 years old, I think I personally think he was a more valuable commodity than a 34, 35-year-old LeBron. People told me otherwise, but I would make the case 20-year Irving is better than 34-year-old LeBron. Kyrie, I complimented him on Friday. I'm complimenting him again now. I think if you want to avoid being Allen Iverson, 
if you want to avoid being, to a lesser degree, Stefan Marbury, if you want to avoid being these great players who score a lot but don't win, uh, don't play defense, are considered bad teammates, you go somewhere else. And I think if he goes to the Spurs, will he be the best player on that team? No. But not only can you score 25 a game on the Spurs, because him and Kawhi, I think, would fit well together, you get the added he's reusing the word you get the added narrative of you went to greg popovich you went to probably the hardest guy in the league as far as being my way or the highway who's a hall of fame coach who's respected by everyone who a normally stubborn selfish not self-aware player would not go to because greg popovich would not allow him to go 38 minutes and not have an assist he just wouldn't otherwise he'd sit on the bench for 38 games you're willing to go there, you prove maturity, you prove wising up, you're still going to get your points, you're still going to win games. Yeah, you'll lose to the Warriors, but like I said, the only guy attached with the narrative of can't beat the Warriors is LeBron James. No one is going to harp at Kyrie Irving saying, oh my gosh, he couldn't be the war- he could not beat the Warriors because he's not a top five all-time player like LeBron is. He's not the impact that LeBron is. He is not the Mount Rushmore type of player that LeBron is. He's Kyrie Irving. He's going to get you his 25 points. Going to get you his two, get you his five assists. People get mad at me about that number. And he's going to get you his highlights. He's going to mature and can team up with another superstar. If he's in San Antonio, him, Kawhi, and you, maybe you get an Anthony Davis two, three years down the road. I'll get to that later. And then you've got a real chance to beat what will be a 32, 33-year-old Warriors team. So go, Kyrie. Go to another team. I I really wouldn't suggest going to the Timberwolves because I think that's all bad because then you've got these three brand-new scores and the dude who's supposed to pass them the ball just won't. But, hey, that's my own personal opinion. Like I said, I'm not a Kyrie hater. I'm just a fact checker. Not everyone's going to like you being a fact checker, but hey, it happens. So, I've been watching, and and I've admitted before, I did not watch baseball as heavily as I have in years past the first half of this season, partly due to the fact of, yeah, I was interested, but I had more interesting things going on in the NBA, and that had more of my attention. I had other things going on in my life that required more of my attention, so... I was not as in tune with baseball the first month of the season as I have been normally. Excuse me. The last two, three weeks, it's really picked up. I've been enjoying it just the same as I always have. And it's back to being baseball to me is always an almost analytical game where like I really like to study the game of baseball. I really like to get the in-depth details because to me, that's what makes baseball great. You might have a different reason why you think baseball is great if you do. Leave a comment. You can leave a comment down in iTunes and or YouTube. As I've been watching and as I've watched over the last couple years, Bryce Harper is probably baseball's only true superstar. Aaron Judge is making a case for it. Giancarlo Stanton didn't make a case for it two years ago. Machado's starting to make more of an international case, kind of like a soccer player. But Bryce Harper is the only true baseball superstar that everybody knows, he's recognizable, and he is a household name. 
He is the LeBron James of baseball in terms of just his popularity. Having said that, as much as he is LeBron James in popularity, Bryce Harper is about to become the Kevin Durant of Major League Baseball. What do I mean by that? No, he's not going to the Yankees next year. No, he's not signing with the Dodgers. He's not, you know, becoming a snake and going to the best team in the best team in the game. But Bryce Harper has a real chance to go down as a top five, top ten all-time player, while at the same time never being the best player in the sport. Think about that. The NBA has actually had a good amount of these guys. But like I talked about with Kyrie Irving, the narrative is different. When you have guys like Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain, there was kind of the argument you could argue who was one and who was two in the league. When you had Bird and you had Magic, you could argue who was one and two in the league. You get to a point where you have guys like Tim Duncan and Akeem Olajuwon who are both top ten all-time players, and yet neither of them were ever the best player in their sport. Obviously, Kim Olajuwon played during the Jordan era. Jordan was clearly the best player in the sport. Tim Duncan played when Shaq was the best player, when Kobe was the best player, and then towards the end of his career when LeBron was the best player. He is Tim Duncan is one of, most people would tell you, one of, and I'd agree, is one of the five best players in the history of the game of basketball. And yet he was never the best player at, in his sport at any given time in his career. The difference being with Bryce Harper and everybody else I just said, Kevin Durant, Tim Duncan, Hakeem Olajuwon, which, by the way, I already know what people are about to say. Hakeem Olajuwon, I'm not counting the two years Jordan retired because Jordan was mentally sick. So, excluding that, Bryce Harper might not only go down as a top five player all time, never be the best player in the sport because I don't think there's much only people are discussing like Trout's just a better player than him. Trout's the better defensive player, plays a more important defensive position, has just as much power, has more speed. Just, just Bryce Harper has a better arm, but that's it. Trout has four of the five better tools, and Trout is on pace to be the greatest player ever. Go check out my old Mike Trout is the GOAT video, by the way. When you think of Bryce Harper, not only can he be one of the five best ever, he has a chance to never win a title which is the big difference between Durant, Duncan, and Elijah Wan. And even Patrick Ewing, for that matter. Those guys, while they were never the pinnacle that Jordan was, that Kobe was, that Shaq was, LeBron was, or is, that they were the best player in their sport, and that kind of solidifies you as one of the greatest ever, one of a Hall of Fame player, you were at the top of your game, they all won titles. Even if it's only one title. Patrick Ewing only won one title. Uh, Elijah Wan got two titles. Tim Duncan obviously has five titles. Durant just got his first title. You know what you are if you're the second best player in the world, you don't have any titles? You're Charles Barkley, which means you're far more famous. You're, I'm going to keep the word of the day. Your narrative is far, much, far better as an analyst than it ever was during your career. Bryce Harper doesn't want to be Charles Barkley, and I love Charles. But nobody wants to be Charles Barkley as far as the player. As great as he was, never won a title, won MVP, and you can make a case. Whereas Barkley overachieved being an undersized power forward. 
Bryce Harper hit a 450-foot home run at 16 years old. Someone check his P. And has been and has been cited as the best upcoming prospect that we've had in ever. Like Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg had more hype coming up than any two players we've seen in the last 50 years. If you're Bryce Harper, you can't be Charles Barkley. You need to be the LeBrons of the world. You need to be the Kobe's of the world. You need to be the Shaq's of the world. But you're not going to be there. So what does Bryce need to do to change that? Because you know who's really good about making sure they're remembered a certain way? Because I think a lot of these guys do have goals of wanting to be in the Hall of Fame at some point. They do want to be remembered as an all-time great. They want to be remembered in a certain way, and especially millennials do. Think about this, and, and I'm one, so I'm not here to criticize a generation. But you take a generation that since maybe 11, 12, 13 years old, even younger now, that have been on Facebook, have been on Instagram, have been on Snapchat, trying to get people's approval or trying to change people's opinions of them, that's what millennials have been doing since they were 11, 12, 13 years old. That's what Bryce Harper's been doing since he was 11, 12, 13 years old. Hey, look at this really cool thing I did this weekend. I'm going to post it on Instagram and I'm going to get all these likes and everyone's going to remember how cool my weekend was. Hey, look at this great thing I did. I'm going to post it on Facebook. I'm going to get all these likes and everyone's going to think, wow, his life's great. They're going to remember you a certain way. Bryce Harper's been doing this since he was 11, 12, 13 years old. And he's still doing it now as a 24, 25-year-old. He's got plenty of time to change this. I understand that. But he's kind of in a he's kind of not a broken path, but if you look at the way he's trending and projecting, he's going to get close to, he's going to get 500, 600 home runs. But do you see them winning a World Series in the next 10 years? No. And I understand baseball is probably the most unpredictable out of all the sports as far as winning a title. And a star player has never been criticized the same way an NBA star player because an NBA star player has a far bigger impact on the game. But when you're Bryce Harper and you've changed how people view baseball players, you've been this megastar since you were 16 years old. You've been LeBron. You've been Kobe. You've been Shaq. You're going to have their kind of pressure. Think about, I'm going to end on this note. Which do you think would be a bigger, a more negative story to read about 20 years down the road? Bryce Harper never winning a title and hitting his 500, 600 home runs, being a Hall of Fame player, being as great as he is? LeBron James never winning a title. That's, how, that's who he's going to be compared to. He's not compared to other baseball players. He's compared to the guys that have been big time, the guys that have been touted, the guys that have been on Sports Illustrated at 16 years old. He has no baseball comparison. So I ask you, which do you think would be worse? Bryce never winning a title or if LeBron had never won a title. And I bet most of you guys, whether even if you pick LeBron or you pick Bryce, you're going to really have to think about it because that's how close it is. That's how big of stars both these players are.
now we get to my favorite part of the show where I get to talk about things I really like. I always try to balance out and, you know, I give what kind of everyone's talking about good headlines, good stories. And then I always get to throw in one or two sessions that are for me because this is my show. And damn it, I'm going to do that. You want to do that? Make your own channel. So, I talked about a lot of different guys over the last two months that could join the Pelicans, that could put them on, not over the top, but theoretically on the path to contending with the Warriors, contending with the other great teams in the West. And if I've done anything right, everybody that I've talked about has gotten paid this offseason. John Wall just signed a Supermax deal. Chris Paul signed for $23 million. You know, I'm going to just start talking about everybody signing with the Pelicans. I'm going to get everybody paid. I'm going to need 1% back. Uh, my P.O. box is, uh, I'm not putting my P.O. box online. So, the Pelicans, though, after me recommending guys to them, and shockingly, they didn't listen. Not one of my subscribers, unfortunately. They signed Rajon Rondo last week. And I really like this deal. And let me start off by saying, I don't think Rajon Rondo's John Wall. I don't think he's Chris Paul. I don't think he's the guys that I've linked or said, hey, they should go there because that would put them on that path. He is not those guys. He is, however, however, very close to being the piece that the Warriors got a few years ago that put them over the top. Rajon Rondo could very well be the Pelicans' Draymond Green. Think about this, because I know a lot of you guys just went, no, shut up, click, back click, went away from the video. But before you start writing me hateful comments, I read all my comments, so don't do that. Before you start to putting thumbs down, I see you guys thumb, uh, putting thumbs down on my Tom Brady video. Before you do any of that, think about this for a second. And I'm just going to pull up some numbers really quick. Rondo with the Bulls. Gave eight points, seven assists, five rebounds. Okay? Think about those numbers for a second. Draymond Green gave the Warriors ten points, eight rebounds, seven assists. You're telling me that Rondo isn't close to being Draymond Green's impact? And he's only an assist. He's not in, he's two rebounds and two points behind him? And they both play great defense. Draymond's defense is more magnified because the team itself plays better defense. And he gets – and he throws up like crazy, almost like five-by-fives and five-by – and uh, I don't remember what the name of it was. Five-by-fives and almost near quadruple double stat lines. But let's look at impact for impact. Most people would argue Draymond Green's the most valuable player on the Warriors – well, couldn't I also argue Rondo was the most valuable player on the Bulls last year? Because what happened when they when he got injured? Oh, that's right. They went from up 2-0 on the Celtics to losing in seven. Oh, that's right. But he doesn't have the same impact Draymond Green could. Think about this. And I would even put Rondo as the starting point guard and let Drew Holiday play the two. Because Drew Holiday, even when he was in Philly, as a much better transitional point guard, then he is a standard point guard. And what I mean by that is a transitional point guard is much more like LeBron, much more like Kobe, much more like guys who can handle the ball and can make the right pass in transition, two-on-ones, three-on-twos, 
but they're not run your offense, get you in the right spot, make the right pass, get a good shot kind of guys. Rondo is that. So if you put Rondo at the one, Holiday at the two, uh, they have a couple options they can start at the three. Then you've got Davis and Cousins. You've got not a big four, but you have guys that complement each other. Drew Holiday played his best last year with Cousins and Davis when he was looking to score. Okay? When he was trying to get Cousins and Davis involved, he he played like crap. Be honest. Like he just he just played like some crap. Because he wasn't used, nor is that his game, to being the run the offense, get guys in the right spot, make the right pass kind of point guard. He can shoot well. He can score when he need, he can score. I think he can, he's an 18 to 20 point per game scorer, and he's a good defender. Oh, that's right. That sounds a lot like Clay Thompson. Okay. Who else do the Warriors have? Oh, yeah, that seven-foot guy. Or I, I don't even know what Durant's height is anymore. He came in the league at 6'9". I was then told he was 6'10", then told he was 6'9". Last year, I was pretty sure I was, he was told he was like 7'2 at one point. You know, his height just keeps on changing. Wear stilts. Oh, that's right. The Pelicans have that guy who's 6'11", can shoot. Not quite the score Durant is, but he is statistically. I don't think Davis is as good a score as Kevin Durant, but they're both going to give you 26 points a game, 28 points a game. And then you've got DeMarcus Cousins, who the difference, obviously, between him and Curry, I'm not making that comparison, but you've got a guy who can get you 25 to 30 points. You've got a guy who plays and compliments your other star seven-foot player exceptionally well who's not only a great passer, can score. The inside presence, like I've been shouting out for the last two months, is the whole reason why that I think the Pelicans have a legit chance at taking on the Warriors because they just don't. the Warriors just don't have anyone who can stop two seven-footers going in the paint who can get you 60 points a game. They just don't. The, the, the league doesn't. It's just not built that way anymore. But the reason why I think Rondo is great is the same reason why I think the Warriors work. And the same reason why I make the Draymond Green comparison is because you have in Rondo and Green a guy who doesn't need to score, who can facilitate, who can rebound, who can play great defense. You've got a guy in Holiday and a guy in Thompson who are going to shoot. They don't need to be ball dominant, can play great defense. Clay's probably a little bit better. I get that. And then you've got two star scoring machines and Cousins and Davis inside for New Orleans, and then Durant and Curry on the outside for the Warriors. I, pe- people keep calling me crazy, and that's fine, because they're going to call me crazy until it actually happens. But this is the best chance, if you want to see a team, not the Warriors, not the Cavs, who win a title, this is the best chance to see it happen. Or, worst case scenario, let them play in a 1-8 matchup. Let the Pelicans get down 2-0. <clears throat> let them get down 30 points in game three and watch DeMarcus Cousins swing his elbow on Draymond Green's face. I mean, if you can't dethrone them, at least hit them. It's like the uh, McGregor-Mayweather fight. If we get nothing else out of this fight, I just need Connor to get so frustrated he roundhouse kicks Floyd in the face, and I'll be good. That'll be worth the price of admission, and I'm not paying for the fight. Anyway, you guys, like always, hit me up on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Hard Foul Podcast. Um, subscribe on YouTube channel, SoundCloud, iTunes. 
once again, I think I've been averaging about like 80 views a day that on the days that I post. I've been trying to post on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, obviously, Madden comes out tomorrow, so expect to see a bunch of Madden videos the next couple days. That will not interrupt my podcast schedule. My podcast will still come out on Wednesday and Friday this week. Um, I got a really busy week, but I'm looking forward to it. Thank you guys once again. Loving my beard. Loving you guys. And I will see you guys. I'll see you guys tomorrow.